Welcome to the Abundant Edge Podcast. Here we dive deep into the diverse worlds of regenerative living, permaculture, and natural building as we aspire to help you reach your highest potential for yourself, for your community, and for this beautiful planet that we share. As always, I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher, and I'm thrilled to guide you through this week's episode. So let's jump right in. Are you looking for the best resources to help you build a regenerative lifestyle? New Society Publishers has been a leader in sustainable publishing for over 30 years. They publish good news and solutions for individuals and organizations seeking to change their lives so that they may change the world for the better. Their company mandate goes far beyond the single bottom line of profit. They care deeply not only about what they publish, but also how they do business. They believe in the authors that they take on and the works that they bring to the marketplace. From sustainable living to progressive parenting, New Society Publishers has the books you need to help build a better world. Buy your print and ebooks online at www.newsociety.com or at fine bookstores near you. Chelsea Green Publishing, an employee-owned company, is recognized as a leader in content about regenerative agriculture, organic farming, homesteading, local food, restorative living, and diet-focused integrative health. Publishing expert authors that bring in-depth practical knowledge to life with books, ebooks, and audiobooks. Go to ChelseaGreen.com and enter code EDGE30, that's capital E-D-G-E 30, at checkout to receive a special discount on your next print book purchase. And be sure to sign up for their newsletter and stay up to date on new releases and audiobooks. Chelsea Green Publishing, cultivating change from the ground up. Welcome to the first episode of season three. I'm so excited for the year to come and all the conversations, interviews, and information that I'll be sharing with all of you over the year. This season, while I'll still be sticking with the general format of the season prior, I'm also looking to bring more stories into these conversations and cultivate narratives around the incredible work that people around the world are doing in the regenerative fields. Now, just like last season, once a month, the team from Abundant Edge will be checking in on the regenerative roundtable segments and giving updates on the design and development of the farm, as well as the projects we're working on for clients and friends, both in our communities and around the world. Now, today's guest is a good friend of mine from our community here in Sununa on Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Marcus Vasey has lived and worked here at the lake for over 25 years and is a wealth of knowledge on medicinal plants and herbs. Now, rather than focusing just on plant medicines, our conversation focuses more on how to listen and observe the natural environment around you and open your heart and perspective to what the plants you interact with are really communicating to you. Through mindfulness practices and small but profound changes in your habits and perspective, Marcus guides us through his own journey of discovery and learning from the local ecology and communities here in Guatemala. I thought this would be the perfect conversation to launch the new season of this podcast with the intention of connecting the practical information of regenerative living to the stories and narratives of the people and their lifestyles. So I hope you enjoy this chat with my good friend Marcus. Now before we get started, I'll just warn you that though the ambient sound from the deck at Marcus's place is full of songbirds, there are also some distracting sounds from the fireworks and the dishwashing, so bear with me a little. I wasn't able to capture the ambient garden sounds without also getting some of the side noise as well. So now I'll turn things over to Marcus. Hey Marcus, thanks so much for having me here. It's such a pleasure always to come to your place. You hold remarkable space. We've got a little bit of incense going. There's a crystal in the center. There's a candle. Before we get started, tell me a little bit about the significance of, of putting these out. Um, well, I been taught a bunch of uh, ritualistic practices maybe or, or just uh, exercises of meditation which are uh, more connected to what would be western occultism and there's the there is the four elements which describes different aspects of life and so whenever I do something that I class as slightly special I'll get the four elements out just to help bring in the conscious awareness that uh, there's an interaction on all levels. I love it. Yeah, I've been working to reintroduce a certain element of ceremony and of, uh, of, of aspects like this in even more mundane parts of my life to give some significance and to cause for reflection. And, and I like the way that you do this. But rather than focus too much on this, let's get started a little bit because um, 
there's a lot of questions that I'd love to ask you, but let's start with a little bit about your background. How did you get to be here living in rural Guatemala? Um, well, I came about 25 years ago, um, just traveling around looking for nice experiences and nice places, which turned into looking for myself, which turned into meditation and yoga, and I ended up in a meditation center here for 20 years. I studied, learned, and taught yoga, meditation, metaphysics, and plant medicine. Well, this is fantastic because the main reason why I'm here is to talk to you a little bit about the way that you observe and connect with nature on a deeper level and how that's affected the way that you manage your garden, the whole ecosystem around your living space, and how that permeates into other aspects of your life. So, before we go into the, the depth and the details of observation on other levels and listening to the ecology around us, tell me a little bit about how you've curated the gardens and the space around here and how your, your observations of what was here to begin with informed that. Just to be clear on the question, you want to know why and how, how what I've learned has influenced my garden here? Yeah, sorry, I know I, oh, I didn't ask very complex, open-ended questions. Yeah, <laughs> Just tell me all the things all at once. Okay. No, um, you've specialized mostly in medicinal plants, but also there's many other aspects, both uh, practical and food, um, protection, shade, and and a lot of very beautiful plants, almost purely for aesthetics as well. You have a very well-balanced ecosystem here. Yeah, that's a... That's that's thanks to my wife as much as me, <laughs> to be quite honest, although she doesn't put her hands in the garden ever. Um, no, I, I learned to... I was, I was given a medicinal garden to look after, which didn't have very many medicinal plants in it, but it was a space, and it had some medicinal herbs in it, and I was given a whole bunch of uh, books to study about medicinal plants, and... Um, and that was, yeah, 25 years ago when I first arrived here. And, um, and I was given a bunch of notes from two doctors that, that had studied from these notes and, uh, and books and given them to me. Um, so I was interested and I started studying and understanding more about plants. And uh, this was, you know, in the days pre-internet, so you couldn't Google anything. We didn't even have electricity back in those days. So... Um, you're making yourself sound so much older than you are. Is this here in this part of Guatemala? Yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm really very young. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, no, I, I didn't have much of a um, uh, of an ability to learn from a teacher on a formal level um, or teachings from other people on a formal level. So I was kind of stuck in the garden trying to make everything up and what we call wing it as much as possible. It's in my nature, I think, to do so. So I, I like that type of winging challenge, if you like. But I made a lot of mistakes in that process, lots of trial and error in, in, in understanding how herbs and plants work. And and I was I was forced to learn maybe the basics of, of interaction with with plants in a um, in a more intuitive way, you know, where um, if I didn't listen and figure things out and just sit down and ask then there wasn't anybody around to tell me anyway. Mm. Had some great, um, you know, experts and professionals that gave me wonderful, you know, uh, half a day teachings and sharing some of their wisdom here and there, which was great. But, um, but the fact that I was mostly self-taught all the way through my experience with plants meant that, um, meant that I didn't have, you know, a, a very structured idea of how to work with plants from the beginning it was a kind of a common sense tap into your own um uh intuition and listen type experience so i learned to pay attention to to what was going on and and some things i would figure out logically uh, through simple trial and error but somewhere down the line i started um 
I started, I realized that one of the most important or most effective ways to actually do work in a garden that I was looking after was not to have a preconceived idea of what work you needed to do, but just to go in with an open mind, listen to what the garden had to tell you, and do any odd job that popped in there as you were wandering around the garden barefoot. We had the luxury to do that barefoot because of the climate here, and uh, and we had um, and and so I I started doing that more and more and more and more, and I started having all sorts of you know ideas about what plants need to be done, and there was this plant over there that was you know that needed to have this, and those over there that needed to have that, and I, these are things that I would never been able to to. Uh, to realize you know if i wanted to plan ahead or anything like that so and because i didn't really know much from the beginning i had to listen i had to listen a lot and i had to pay attention a lot i had to really observe and, and learn through observation a lot of the time but one thing that i didn't figure out to begin with that i figure out later on down the line was the plants were actually sharing a lot more understanding and wisdom with me than i was realizing and I was figuring things out a lot faster than I should have done <laughs> yeah, for my level of uh, understanding and learning, if you like. I was figuring things out a lot quicker because I was listening to plants. I, my ego put it down to my own self-importance and intelligence and how clever I am. But years down the line, I realized that it wasn't me being clever so much as it was me actually learning to, to listen to nature. And, and my thoughts were... Or, or I learned to put my mind in a, in a frame where I could be open to be influenced, if you like, by the, by the energetics of the garden and the plants that were in them. Now, this is one of the reasons why I've always enjoyed coming around and talking to you and spending time with you is because you have a perception and a way of looking at ecology that doesn't come easy to someone like me. I'm very left-brained. I really like to solve problems by learning everything I can about them, dissecting them logically. And I struggle, though I know the importance of turning some of that off and just observing, being open to listen. Do you, what sort of advice do you have for, for other people with sort of my uh, personality disposition to, to let go of some of that inner chatter and that uh, directive to always try and solve problems or, or even to come into a situation with preconceived notions and observations? What's some of the way that you, you help to turn that off and be more open? Well, you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to, I think, be in, in your space or your, your at least awareness that, hey, my intellect can serve me wonderfully and I can rationally figure out all sorts of great stuff, but it's quite limited at the same time. Yeah. Or it doesn't get me everywhere. Or, yeah, I know there's more <laughs> Definitely. than just this intellectual me. When you were talking earlier about plants being able to communicate on different levels uh, energetically and how they affect you know not just the the soil composition or the amount of oxygen in a space and all of these things that we can measure but rather there are other interactions that can be hard to observe without being open to it yeah i think i think in order to talk about it we have to um we have to first maybe knock on the idea that in this life that we experience there is more going on in front of our faces than we uh, are able to perceive or measure or, or calculate on some with some instruments and things like this it's a difficult it's, it's not always where we want we want to you know for, we are very attached to the physical reality that this world is and our, and we are very attached to our bodies and uh, we identify very strongly with you know this the skin and bone we call ourselves um we know very little about consciousness or the awareness which is inhabiting this skin and bone flesh vehicle that we're in but at the same time we identify most strongly with that and so this is the realm in which we experience most of life consciously is in the material realm now i I was taught over the years that there's much more to this and these are all maybe more what you might call spiritual belief systems or ideas which don't necessarily belong to any religious beliefs uh, but can be seen as um, speaking about 
different levels of consciousness, different levels of existence that we're not really um, able to perceive or understand very fully because our perception is is trapped, if you like, in, in a more mundane material world. That's where we are. Our intellect is 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 something which connects very strongly to this physical world, but it's also uh, can be seen as, uh, or mind and mental vibration can be seen as uh, an energetic which is which reaches out beyond the limitations of your physical skin, just like the electromagnetic vibrations which bounce out of your body into the world. They're very difficult to measure past a certain point, very difficult to see, and we don't. But we will be feeling them in some way we'll be we'll be receiving that vibration whether you want to call it an emotional one a mental one a spiritual one these are these are the the other three elements which are represented uh, as different levels of consciousness and different levels of of understanding which is all called spiritual in some some way because it's not physical in 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 nature i got taught a lot about um, different dimensional realities and uh, astral realities and and um, and different dimensional truths and and I did a lot of practices in order to experience what that actually meant and so I, I gained a different level of experience of uh, of what non physical energy is and this I was always do- all doing while learning about plants and gardening at the same time so my kind of my experience was a little bit different. But it did take me a long time to figure out some of the very simple basics because, <laughs> because I think my mind was quite stubborn and not very open to, to actually seeing what, was, what is now quite obvious, that there is you know, much more than just a physical interaction that we have with nature and plants and each other and, the, and life around us. And there is an invisible interaction which can be related to you know, whole forms of idea that we hold on to and we call ourselves that energetically attract things into our life and, and spew things out of us into, into our environment. In, in emotional, mental ways and spiritual ways, if you want to uh, uh, just talk about something more subtle. Right. So, in these subtleties, it seems that we have to find a way to sort of resensitize our abilities of perception to be able to garner any information or to be open for the communications that are done at these very subtle levels. Now, was it a conscious effort on your part to be open to these subtle communications? Yeah, at times, but I'm quite lazy. So so that conscious effort wasn't much of an effort. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's probably why it was slower for me. Hmm. Um, well, so if someone were experience. to try and redevelop that sensitivity... Yeah, I mean, the, the, there are many... Different, different exercises and practices that you can do sitting down in your garden in front of a plant or, or, just, or just hanging out in nature in the wild somewhere. Um, but one of the key things, yes, yeah, is to, first of all, to open your mind that there is, there is more than meets the eye to this um, world that we're living in. There is more than meets the eye to, to ourselves. There is a, a a different level of consciousness which, within which we can experience this world and life and we can raise our awareness if you like by learning and teaching ourselves to see more to see what is normally a little bit hidden in, th- in, in this world and the fundamental practice there comes with observation it comes with sitting down and listening because we're very active mentally a lot of the time and that's where you'll find your mind you know is is uh, is very much goal orientated and projecting out to 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 some type of future that we want to create, and and we are actively thinking instead of passively listening. And these are two energetics which um, which we need at different times in our life. But if we want to, if we want to interact more consciously with nature, we we'll need to learn to sit a little bit more in the feminine and be more passive listeners. Hmm. On that note, we are fortunate enough to live in a part of Guatemala where the indigenous culture is still sort of the prevalent culture where we are, which isn't to say that it hasn't been unaffected by the very complex history of Guatemala and colonialism in this area. But have you been able to learn much and sort of absorb some of the wisdom of 
the local teachings that has informed the way that you manage the garden and the ecosystem around you? Well, I don't know. Um, being here, you have to slow down a little bit. Time, we all, everybody, every ex. I'm still struggling with that. I'm a very punctual person, and yeah. I'm not used to everything being late. Yeah, and, no. and three o'clock on its own. Three o'clock. Yeah. Nah. yeah. I know. I showed up on time. I know you weren't expecting me. <laughs> so, so that teaches you something, and uh, you know, alone by just hanging out with people that are on a, a more a more natural schedule, a schedule you know which is not so much focused on uh, on the twenty four seven hour clock type story, um, and and yet they're learning that and, and they're becoming more in it. But but it was only like a f- you know not too many generations ago where there was no there's no watches in this town, right, and. Um, that changes a lot. I think that makes us that makes us sort of also you know be more be more aware of, of be more patient, and that patience is something that you need if you're going to work in a garden because things don't happen overnight. Yeah, yeah. Plants grow slowly. You know, you, you can you can see what you want as the fruit of your spoils and your and your uh, your work, but but you, that doesn't mean you're going to get it until the time is right. Right. You, yeah. There's only so much you can accelerate. Nature has to take its own course. So just hanging around with the people here will influence us on that level. And they and they are, and yeah, I mean, not as much today with the youth of today because there's been a generation gap change in different places. But uh, yeah, um, there was a lot of people have already grown their own food. That's huge. Yeah. You know? Um, they're not removed some from of the, that process. Yeah, well, if they are, they're removed from one generation. Yeah, my dad still grows our food, type mm. story. But I don't because I've got a job doing something else. But but that means that there's a natural connection to the earth and, and that there's um, the people are, are, are naturally more earthy in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, however, there's, you know, there's a... Even when I got here years ago, there's already been the influence of, of the Western culture. Um, that that means a lot of the old practices have been lost already. You know, part of part of the garden, the purpose of the garden, of the medicinal garden that I inherited, if you like, was was to keep a little bit of the the more natural remedies alive in the local communities that were fastly jumping into pharmacies and buying everything and trusting doctors that probably weren't very well educated mm. you know instead of their ancestral knowledge and so there's a, a lot less there was there's already you know in when I got here that yeah, that time a lot less knowledge about medicinal herbs of the area than than there probably would have been 50 years ago mm. um and then, and I've learned a bunch about the medicinal plants here from from some people, but there's not a huge amount of knowledge that that is still that is still used regularly. Mm. Simple stuff, yeah, ABCs, yeah, um, uh, the, the first aid box. People know certain first aid plants around here, but a lot of people have forgotten too. One of the ways that you've illustrated how plants can communicate in ways that maybe are even a little easier to perceive from the beginning even if it's still hard to decipher is in a story that you told me just very recently about how you used to go on herb walks with uh with students or with people who went to the center and you noticed that in certain areas around san marcos before it was as developed as it is now certain medicines or plants would grow in an area and just a few meters away would not do so well. And the same with the garden that you cultivated in your personal site and the gardens that you maintained at the retreat center. Um, Not very far away at all, seemingly in the same microclimate, and struggled or flourished in one site to the other. And sort of in investigating that, you learned quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I realized was that... that, um yeah, the, the 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 first observation that like make caught my attention was this was the simple nature. I would I would go on this walk of maybe four hundred meters or something, five hundred meters that, that that went through different people's plots of lands because it was along the lakefront and everybody owned up to the lakefront. There was a lot of moisture, a lot of a lot of medicinal plants growing in that semi wild environment, even though there was a little path there that, that that people would walk on. And I started seeing that there were certain medicinal plants that would only grow in some places and not in others. 
others and I started realizing that it was like uh, the idea popped in there that okay so yeah then then the vibrational energy of this person's garden seems to be different than one meter away this guy's garden or not even garden but land that they owned that maybe that had been the they had abandoned or just left and, it, and there wasn't much going on there anyway but there was still an owner of it then i started recognizing also in my garden that some things would grow that wouldn't grow just you know 20 meters away where i was trying to cultivate it there were other things like um you know i'd go into people's gardens my friends gardens and suddenly i'd notice wow you've got a lot of this when did you plant this didn't plant it ever where did it come from i don't know it just popped up this year whatever and and I remember I remember reading it in some book. I could not tell you. I have no idea what where it was, but I remember reading it somewhere that there was a um, uh, a herbologist had recognised in his next door neighbour's garden, you know, some plants popping up that were good for healing cancer. That that year his next door neighbour got diagnosed with, and the plants were growing there. He noticed it out of his window, um, but. And the plants grew there until the guy died of cancer maybe six months later and next year they didn't grow. I remember reading that and not really understanding what that was uh, or maybe uh, understanding it, yeah, but not experiencing it, let's say. But then I started seeing, oh my goodness, you know, the people's energy um, or people's personal vibration because these two identical plots of land not touched either of them, um, probably similar history to them, one had, you know, a huge amount of one medicinal plant and the other had a different medicinal plant and they're 20 meters away, let's say. Um, this showed me that, okay, maybe there is an influence, an, un uh, an invisible influence, let's say, that something is happening o over that land that uh, can, you can't really be easily described as a physical one. Let's say that because energetically or physically wise nothing much is different between one and the other but as far as ownership and people's um, personal energetic space is concerned maybe those two plots of land are very difficult or different or maybe the influence upon them that is a, um, the subtle uh, difference is is the influence of the human people that live there or come there or call it their own hmm. and I when I started seeing that then I started seeing it everywhere <laughs> and I would walk into people's gardens and diagnose their physical ailments by looking at the medicinal plants that were growing naturally in their garden and they go oh yeah you're right I do have these liver problems so how did you know well you've got a lot of these growing in your garden and it usually comes for a reason I started to realize that nature has this intrinsic quality of creating balance and does that mean that you can accentuate that connection that you have with your land by interacting with it in more direct ways sure i mean a lot of people are you know peeing in their garden walking barefoot in their garden having showers in their garden to share some more of their physical cells and and you know leave when you're leaving a footprint it's more than just in um, the mark of your foot on the floor but there's also some cells that are falling off and, and sitting on the ground as well there's there's many ways that we can physically interact with or well, put more of our physical genetics in the soil if you like mm. um, which people practice I do as well um, but that's only that's only on physical levels Energetically, if you just go and be in the place or if you interact with plants more regularly or if you just walk around your garden more consciously or if you just be there, then your garden will feel you and you'll feel it. They did experiments where they were taking people blindfolded and sensory deprived in some way and put them, you know, in one sort of concrete place and then in a wooded place and asked them to just tell them how, the, how they felt, yeah. And people would feel different things just being from in one vibrational space to another. And that's because there's a lot more going on in a woodland or a jungle than there is, uh, not maybe a lot more, but a different set of energetics going on than there is in, you know, concrete city or something yeah i mean that certainly explains why people feel this need to get back out into nature to reconnect with nature and some it's people often... have an allergy of it right mm. some people are so used to the city that they have an allergy at the moment they're in nature and it feels uncomfortable mm. and too they've much, been removed for too much time. nature is is, uh, is awkward and uh, uncomfortable yeah but that's yeah that seems to be uh, 
A sign of one of the ailments of our societies, maybe. Perhaps. Um, so with all of these different observations and intuitive ways of learning that you've picked up on since you started to sort of reconnect and, and observe a little more, how has that affected your own interaction with your gardening style, with the way that you sort of traverse the landscape around here? Well, you're asking the wrong person because I kind of... I garden less and less. I, I you know propagate plants a little bit mm. but uh, but yeah over, over the years one of the luxuries of uh, living in Guatemala for those people who don't understand uh, what it's like to be here is that um, there's a luxury to be able to get your hands in the soil and do and work with plants in, in many ways and I, I still do it from time to time um, but one of the luxuries is, is that where you can you can get um the minimum salary here, let's say, is not very not very high, and so it's easy to find um, great workers to interact with and to share with um, that can do a lot of manual labor that I don't do. So I do a lot more managing of garden than I do physical work in the garden, which is not my preferred job, but but it's one that you know my maybe my learning over the years of. Have made me understand I'm more effective if I can tell a few guys what to do instead of sure. And we definitely do quite a bit of that up at the farm as well. Sure, it's the only reason we've been do. able to. I know you guys do. So yeah. So as far as the gardening is concerned, what I what we do in the garden, yeah, I, what what we try and create in in these spaces is is aspects you know different different environmental interactions that are going on between trees and bushes and all sorts of things and have some some morphing environment that's that's gradually evolving into um part, partly manicured but not really and partly just just observed um interaction between medicinal plants um, plants that make you feel good that inspire you with with crazy flowers and 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 their aesthetical beauty to you know to lettuces and squash and beans. some of those were more lots of beans and, we're more accustomed to yeah and and to have a good mixture of everything you know uh, having a wonderful interaction in in ways that, that can teach me so much more about what does work and what doesn't work because I've not come to my limitations on that front ever. Have you observed some really good companion relationships among the plants that you cultivate? Sure. I mean, there's the obvious ones like this plant loves shade and that plant, you know, uh, likes uh, less wind. So put these two together, then they're going to go very well. This plant um, yeah is going to like the type of soil um, is going to grow very superficially and this other plant has got roots that grow really deep so you can plant them together a lot of the time. There are the logical um, interactions with plants which are all very well documented and plants which excrete certain things. I've seen more what, what, what type of plants don't like to grow with other plants than the plants that actually um, collaborate quite mm. well. And there are certain plants that, that won't, don't want to grow with other ones. I've seen that a bunch of things, especially in the herbal world, mm. just because some I think a little bit finicky. It could be something to do with this, this uh, environment. But And a lot of them have such strong compounds that I would imagine are not attractive to some of their neighbors and there's some that just well, they just won't grow next to certain types of plants yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not a physical thing there's, there's, there's a weird sort of weird repulsion and you learn you learn that and sometimes the plants will actually you know maybe tell you yeah in more ways than just i'm going to die if you don't move me stupid <laughs> i mean that would be pretty eye-opening for me if that's how I learned to listen to plants and they just start cursing at me. Well, that I, would be unfortunate. Well, I, I, I told you, it was, it, it, I, I was really embarrassed. I was really embarrassed like probably eight, eight years down the line after playing in the garden a lot, you know, um, realizing that my own ego had had, had, um, um, had owned this communication that I was experiencing with the plants as when I, back in the days when I was doing a lot more work myself. Um, I realized, you know, I realized a lot afterwards that 
the plants were actually influencing my ideas and teaching me and they were probably you know without wanting to personify a plant you know they were probably just shouting from the other end of the garden going hey idiot come over here you haven't looked at me for a long time if you don't do something about it i'm going to die and then you're going to lose me and i walk over and for some reason that you know because i'm so smart and clever my 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 eye got caught on that one plant that oh my goodness i didn't notice you know and and my self-importance thought oh aren't i clever for figuring that out who if i hadn't I got in there but really the plant was has probably been shouting at me for weeks and in the, <laughs> and in the one moment i was open to listen i actually heard, right I actually as heard it quieted the mind down and, a little bit you know well that that's more uh, maybe you know just choosing what work to do or what what needs to be done and what uh, what is of more of course urgency than than not I mean, I learned a lot about the, you know, lunar cycles and, um, and astrological planting as well. And I studied a bit of that. I got really into it and nerded out a little bit on that mm-hmm. before I realized, oh, fuck it, man. There's certain, excuse my language. <laughs> there's certain things that just don't work, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I can't, yeah. and I'm not going to be so rational about it. And I'm not such, maybe such a rational person as you are. And, and so, you know, after a while I was going, oh, I'll start it. Let's just listen instead. Yeah. And, uh, and that worked quite well. Yeah, and I'm really trying to just cultivate a bit more of a balance within that personality trait that I tend towards. And, you know, there's there's advantages to both sides. But sure, if you're bro. too out of balance in, in any one, too overdeveloped in another, um, it, it can really throw off your interactions and you can miss some things that... It's all about the middle path. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, along that line, you've been instrumental in, along with your partner, Anna, in creating this place that you've called the seed. Can you tell us a little bit about this property, what the original vision and intention was for it, and how it's sort of grown as you've lived here? Well, we we came here with the idea to, to really um, maximize and um, transform this place into something wonderfully biodiverse you know half the trees were dead when we got here it's pretty abandoned spot of land a lot of coffee and a lot of monoculture if you like but then there's trees and, and other things and we, we bought little plots of land next door and and the, the plot of land that we're that we're managing is is growing or looking after if you like is growing um or had been growing over the years but but my yeah, my wife is is very much uh, into what is aesthetically pleasing. Um, for me, I'm more of a practical guy. <laughs> Get me some vegetables. And I med- echo that and, as and, well. And yeah. medicine, but but uh, at the same the same time. Yeah, so I, I maybe have I have that lack, which is more a male thing. No, let's get some medicine and, and food get going. So we grow a lot of medicine and food, but we grow a lot of beautiful plants too. That that um in the bigger picture inspire and 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 excite you in in subtle ways that you, we're not we're not normally aware of. But there's yeah, there's something about being surrounded by a, an abundant amount of flowers. And having to bump into them all over the place and seeing aesthetical beauty of planting plants in their right places and, and creating spaces which can then, you know, prosper and be left alone more and more and more over the years, mm-hmm. as well as being, you know, productive and efficient. I, I stopped planting a lot of medicinal plants many, many years ago, um, formally so, because I... You know, I I learned how to encourage self-seeding and and to promote it, and and so the probably the amount of medicinal plants on our land here per square meter is you know f- ten times what would be in other pe- in other areas, um, very close to us, just because of selective weeding over the years and, and allowing land to and allowing the plants to to propagate themselves. You, you end up getting a lot more of everything, um, sometimes in a you know an unneeded way. But but and then allowing spaces in the garden that are wild is super important. There has to be a certain amount of wildness that's not touched in the garden. Where Why is that? Because it's where the fairies live, Oliver. <laughs> 
I was waiting for one of these sarcastic responses. It's not a sarcastic response, actually. It's actually a real response. But um, yeah, there's a certain, there's a certain, um, there's a certain energetics of yeah you think it's you think it's that's i mean i know how you can twist that and and okay there are there are certain, what you actually mean yeah, there are but it's always your tone you always certain, make me feel like i asked the wrong question no no, no it's, it's not definitely not the wrong question it's just um yeah it's it's literally where the fairies live um have um have a couple of friends who came down from from Iceland, and they were telling us um, that in Iceland there's a there's a ministry of elves in the government. Yeah, if you want to go into a place and, and develop it in somewhere, first of all you have to get this guy who can speak to the fairies or the elves, if you like, and he'll go in there, and he'll say, "No, I'm sorry. Yes, you can do things here, or no, you can't do things here, according to where the fairies are living." Um, it's so strong in, in the Icelandic culture that everybody believes in it and there's a governmental ministry for it um, yeah it shocked me too yeah that's, <laughs> like, that's oh, remarkable wow. <laughs> <laughs> just look at me in, in disbelief yeah. no it's true it's I true. can believe then it's true um, while I don't have that maybe the consciousness of, of to be a, a ministry of elves member um, I do know that there are certain that, there is an importance in just leaving something that is not touched by um, human manipulation and allowing that certain space, if it feels special enough, just to do its own thing. Mm. If you have the luxury not to touch some area of land which you are supposedly looking after and leave nature and and the the fairies and the elves to do their thing, then hmm. there's different ways to talk about and there is I mean different interdimensional entities, but we can call yeah. them elves because most people know what they are. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's very valid to talk about it. Adding different names to it might be culturally relevant depending on where you are. But I definitely get what you're, uh, what you're hinting at, basically being um, the what the entities or the the. I guess I don't know another way to say it. I guess elves was a good was a good yeah. name for yeah. at least I'm sorry, staying I'm on the sorry, same I page. Caught, caught you adrift. Um, um, for the for, for your listeners as well. I mean, they probably. Um, the energies or the magic of a place. Yeah, it's it's very hard to define by the ways that we normally have to observe and keep track or measure things. But I definitely understand what you're what you're getting at. There is um, there is, there is let's say let, let's say there's just like there is um a higher consciousness inside of us, and an awareness and a potential and that we tap into in those moments of genius and those moments of super inspiration that we connect to in those moments when we feel empowered and. And we feel a strong purpose in our life. And that's in those moments that we're touching our spirit, if you like, or touching mm. the higher consciousness that is when life is flowing and, and when. If you when have the awareness a, not to give yourself all the credit so for that. <laughs> yeah, and when we're not so attached to the mundane. If you yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. Um, we, we, we get to have different experiences. A lot of people are, are, are provoking different experiences by taking drugs and things like this, which, which, is, which is one way to do it. And that's why people open up their awareness. On, on different ways but um, but we all experience life in more ways than just the physical we just don't pay attention to it mostly we don't pay attention how our energy our emotional energetics or mental energetics are going to influence our environment um, we don't pay attention or influence each other we think if it doesn't come out of our head well that's just for us then you know that's just not going to influence my environment or anybody around me we're not aware that you know thinking about some somebody and feeling things towards somebody is a form of communication too yeah for example yeah okay we're starting to realize this people are starting to prove this and there are you know hundreds and hundreds of um, psychological tests that people are doing um which show the scientists they can't really understand why certain things has happened there's quantum physics which is coming into it and teaching things that you know that the consciousness of 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 observing something actually changes how it interacts and things like this how a simple atom or a molecule interacts is changed by the consciousness of human observation mm. this is something that you know has been proven on the quantum physics level and the science will get there eventually but you know, I think it, there's a certain amount of common sense inside of us that, that recognizes yeah there's 
you know, our energetical field, if you like, or our electromagnetic field, if you want to call it that, it stretches out beyond the limitations of our physical skin and will in some way or another influence other people in our environment in invisible ways, ways which we do not recognize or understand. These type of things might take a while for the mind to believe or open up to or, or actually start to hold on to or these these ideas might be very easy for your mind to hold on to it doesn't matter you might not want to believe in that you might not want to believe in magic you might just want to believe in in the physical dimension this is fine as well this is okay we don't have to believe in these things um but more and more uh science is coming closer to spirituality and recognizing there are there are there is something called consciousness which we can't really understand we can't really define very well um but definitely has an obvious influence over the environment in ways we don't understand. Hmm. Well, on that note, and I know I'm taking a bit of your precious time here, can you give our listeners a way to contact you or, uh, or the resources at The Seed in order to learn more about some of these concepts you've talked about? Sure. I mean, um, if you want to share this podcast, I'll share it too on my Facebook page and, 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 and website, Marcus Vasey. Punto.com, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, needs to be spelled out if you're going to find that. <laughs> but uh, I'll put the links of the show notes we, of the, we can uh, the episode. Can, I'm sure you'll, yep. you'll do that. Marvelous. And uh, I know you've also got a gardening course planned coming up. Um, what are some of the the main ideas that you're hoping to cover for for the participants there? Um, talking about the local course. Mm-hmm. This is, well, this is a course, I mean, I've been here for like such a long time and I've never given a course in Kekchi, in Spanish and Kekchi Kel, the local language here that we, that the, the Mayan um, uh, people speak is Kekchi Kel. And so um, I don't speak very good Kekchi Kel. No, mine is rubbish too. I speak good Spanish. Um, but because um, my teachings have been predominantly to travelers and, and, and tourists and on different levels, I've nearly always have translated into Spanish at some time, but I've never done a course in Quechique. So I want to do, I want to, in a way, give back uh, some of the wonderful teachings that I've had over all these years, and even, you know, to, even if it takes me so long to learn them. I want to give back a little bit to the community and, and share some of, um, some of the wisdom that maybe they've lost at one time and to share the knowledge about interacting with uh, with nature more consciously and to really show people what what medicine is growing on everybody's doorstep and nobody is using because they don't recognize it or have the knowledge of how to use it so i want to you know share a bit of the metaphysical um uh, ideas that the local people are much more open to than, than certain closed minds and um, because they haven't drifted so far into so into a strong logical brains to mm. the point where they 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 trust everything much much more much more openly mm. and and they are not maybe as not as many generations away from a more natural interaction where nature teaches us to listen and to observe and teaching us to balance so maybe maybe certain things they're going to be teaching me in this course but i want to share a lot of um sort of practical knowledge of how to get into a garden and make make abundance of food and medicine without a huge amount of effort nice. and how to really appreciate or you know how to maybe maybe bring a, a little bit of ritual and, and gratitude back into our interactions with nature and giving thanks to what could be an Im- abundant environment but often isn't right, right. Know, because we because it's managed so badly yeah um, and so you know the majority of our, of our of our community, of the local community here, are agricultural in nature, um, growing some type of crop, crop whether it's coffee, corn, or avocados, or or cottes. right? And um, and so they already have that. There's already so much interaction with plants that that I won't need to share with them, but I'm going to share with them some some ideas which maybe maybe they haven't bumped into, but then can enrich their experience in 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 the you know in 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 their own gardens, in their own experience. And I really want to 
get get some young people who are interested in medicine and uh, and spark off um, a few remembering of of the of the old the old school medicines. Yeah, that's definitely what we can hope for. And I know we've been talking about this for months. I'm really excited for attending that course as well. I'm sure I'll learn a lot in it uh, too. So yeah, well, I mean, we have to make it a little bit simple and a little bit easy and a little bit um, experiential. Well, always. It's not, it's a, it's it's not going to be a, always not be a lot of blah 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 and intellectual this that and everything else. Right, it's right. going to be a little bit more, a little bit less talking and a little bit more doing. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, again, Marcus, thanks so much for taking the time today. It's always a pleasure to come here and visit you. It's always a pleasure to have you, Oliver. <laughs> and one thing I want to mention, too, is that though we're kind of on the different uh, spectrum of our personality types and, and sometimes the way we look at the world. A lot less than you think. Well, definitely a lot less than I think. But my favorite part about this is somehow we've still come to the same conclusion that our default uniform be a V-neck white T-shirt <laughs> and khaki color. You just call me trousers. today. Call me today. Whatever. You're Can't always in the out. same clothes. I know. I'm always in the same clothes. It's, oh, yeah, it's our de facto are, uniform every we time are we see kind each of other. Matching. <laughs> Must be that psychic connection. The psychic connection makes us put that white, yeah. that white clothes. Well, this I didn't is even all know I we were having wear. this meeting. This is, this is all I ever wear. So, <laughs> well, again, thanks for making time, man. We'll catch yeah, up man. again soon. Good, to, good, and thanks a lot, Ollie, man. All right, see ya. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. As always, you can find all the show notes for this and all other episodes at AbundantEdge.com by clicking on the podcast tab in the navigation bar. On the website, you can also find a whole range of educational articles as well as the services we offer from design and consulting to education. While you're there, don't forget to take a look at the courses and workshops we offer, which are all designed to empower you to take back control of your life by giving you the skills to produce your own food, manage landscapes regeneratively, build your own homes and structures with natural materials, and most importantly, to dream ever bigger about the highest potential that you could achieve for yourself, your community, and the planet that we share. I'm very grateful to all of you who have added comments and send feedback to me. Your contributions help this to be the conversation and dialogue that it's meant to be. For anyone else interested, you can email me and the whole team directly at info at AbundantEdge.com. And all of your feedback makes these episodes and interviews so much more engaging and help me to give you the information and content that you want. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again in next week's session.